This is the Bitbo Podcast, the podcast that gives you practical cryptocurrency trading tips in 10 minutes or less. I'm Steph. And I'm Tris, your host. Right now, we're in the middle of a global pandemic that has caused the world's largest financial crisis since the Great Depression. It has forced us to innovate, find new ways to communicate, and highlighted the need for digital currency to take center stage. In this episode, we're talking about cryptocurrency's role post-shutdown and what mass adoption can potentially look like. So Tris, to start off, give us a quick overview of how cryptocurrency has performed since the pandemic hit in early March. Well, the industry overall has done well, but there was a bit of a glitch on March 12th with a bunch of leverage positions getting taken out. And of course, Bitcoin recovered nicely into the to the halving. But the most important thing about crypto during this period is, is that, you know, it continued to work. It didn't go down. It didn't require a bailout. And so in general, I think crypto has passed a really important test in terms of its usability and functionality. It's been really interesting to see cryptocurrencies be the the stable trade for this period because of the stock markets just going nuts. And I think a lot of people have been actually turning to crypto as an alternative. So it's been definitely an interesting thing to see. In your article, you specifically talk about the chasm. Can you describe what that is and why it matters to crypto traders? Great question. It's a term that comes from the title of a book called Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore, which is actually a book about essentially marketing for technology products. And crossing the chasm is part of a process that most technology services and products go through as they build and grow into billion dollar companies. The chasm is this space between the early adopters and the innovators, you know, where crypto is right now, to the large companies that typically make a technology product take off. And so the challenge is, is that when a company gets into the chasm, they have to abandon most of the language and the marketing that they use for the early adopters and innovators. And then they have to transfer that into a, a sort of a new expression of what they do to appeal to the larger companies. So in the case of cryptocurrency, right now, the language is very much oriented towards the early adopters and to the evangelists. But in order to bring in the wider public and to make this more feasible, I think the language is going to have to change a little bit in the marketing and thinking behind that has to broaden it out to make it more simple and, and easier to digest. You know, I totally agree with that. I think right now is a really interesting time when we look at cryptocurrency because I remember even back when I first started my career in marketing and I was working with a couple of fintech and cryptocurrency companies, the language around cryptocurrency was very hard to understand. It was definitely very challenging trying to figure out how do I make sense of this and translate it into something that people will actually understand and want to use and see value in. When people ask me what is cryptocurrency, I find that it's hard to describe. How have you seen that language shift from you know the early adopters and innovators phase to potentially targeting that early majority? The way I describe it is I give an example of, of, uh, of a car. So for example, if you have a car and you took the outside body off it and took out the interior, I mean, what would you have? Well, you'd have a bunch of wires, you'd have all this foam, you'd have you know an engine, all these bolts and fasteners 
fasteners and all this other stuff. To a regular person, it would look pretty ugly. It would look very intimidating. And if you brought somebody in a room that was not familiar with what a car was and showed them that, they'd be confused. They wouldn't know what to do. Now, if you showed the same thing to an engineer or somebody who was an enthusiast about a car, well, they would be able to easily see what the possibilities are. And so in a sense, crypto is a little bit like that car without the cover on it and without the interior. It's very difficult for regular people to conceptualize what it can be used for. Now, when you put the beautiful cover on and then add in the interior, and then you bring that same person in to look at it and you describe what it can do, well, it's a lot easier for them to visualize what the possibilities are. And so to me, the, the language of crypto is still very much in the covers off the car and there's no interior, you know, the wires, the engine and all that other stuff. I think that's where the challenge is. As crypto moves forward, it's going to have to do more of that seamless thing where all of the things that all the enthusiasts love to talk about and love to get excited about, which is the wires and the engine and that kind of stuff, that's going to have to go under the cover. And I think it's going to be a lot easier for people to conceptualize. I love that analogy. I think that is a perfect way of describing where we are right now. And we're just trying to figure out how to put the cover on the car and make it sound valuable and make it sound interesting to the general population who maybe isn't as familiar with cryptocurrency. Out of curiosity, how would you describe cryptocurrency to someone who maybe has no idea what it is, but thinks it could be kind of cool? How would you make it sound valuable to them? I think the beauty of cryptocurrency in many ways is that it it has a lot of flexibility in terms of how it can be used. And so it depends on who you talk to, what they think it is. So some people think of it like a currency. Some people think of it and use it almost like a traditional stock. Other people think of it like a payment rail. There's a lot of different opportunities to use it. The way that, you know, if you're trading, what, what you get is you get, in my opinion, one of the purest markets on earth. It has mostly no regulation, but there is just enough regulation involved to make it credible. And what it allows people to do is to learn how to trade in a market that essentially in many ways doesn't exist in the in traditional finance. So it's a huge advantage there. But it also introduces other opportunities like the digitization of, of assets. So for example, if you have a stable coin, you remove some of the volatility there and you base it on an asset like a Canadian dollar or a, you know, a US dollar or whatever. And so that creates another way for people to use and visualize. To me, you know, it's like a Swiss army knife of opportunities. So we've talked a lot about how we can get people to adopt cryptocurrencies and kind of what the underlying issue is for the early majority, for the late majority, and even potentially later on as it goes through that life cycle. What impact do you think that mass adoption is going to have on the price of cryptocurrencies? Is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? I think it really depends on how you view a cryptocurrency and how you're using it. You know, from a trading perspective, you have to take into account there's different kinds of flows. For example, there's flows of capital into Bitcoin, and then there's flows of coins into the Bitcoin market coming from the from the miners. So obviously, if you own Bitcoin, you would want, you know, an increase in the flow of capital coming into the asset so that the price would go up. But if you're using it as a currency, you, you don't want all that volatility. And so where mass adoption, where it's being used as a currency is valuable is it increases the liquidity of the market so that people can more easily exchange and move money. And, you know, 
one of the big challenges around the world is access to dollars. And one of the big challenges that a lot of people are having with cryptocurrencies is, is you know, some of the things that happened in 2018 where, you know, various scams were identified. Some of these projects didn't work out. And there was a lot of messiness. And it's important for people to understand that innovation requires, you know, this is another part I talk about in the article, it requires waste. And waste is a fundamental part of, of discovery and innovation. And we had lots of waste that led to the internet that we had, you know, we have today. And so in cryptocurrency, there's going to be a little bit of messiness. There's going to be some failures, but just like the internet before it, there's a lot of these projects are just way ahead of their time. And it's going to take some time for those to catch up. And so what the price will do, I think, really depends on which particular crypto asset you're talking about. And it really depends on how you're using that asset in terms of what you want to happen with it. So again, it's it's that, that Swiss Army knife type of a, a view of what cryptocurrency can do and what it means to different people. I love what you said there about how some of the technologies are just very ahead of their time. And it actually made me think of something that I heard on another podcast where they were talking about how all of these different financial crises, and you also mentioned this in your article as well, basically they test the environment for people who maybe are weaker, can't adopt. And I think that's very true right now is if you look at all the businesses that are struggling and not to say that they're not great businesses, but at the same time, I think it just shows the power of why we need to start implementing digital solutions into our businesses. And I think cryptocurrency is one of those things that people are starting to realize, oh, this could be a potential solution for the problems that are some of the problems that maybe we're facing right now. And that's a really great point that, you know, and again, this gets back to the language. You know, if you're trying to figure out how to make your, your business work, here's what you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear that this new technology is going to destroy the financial system that you're relying on to get back on your feet, right? People want to hear about how this technology is going to make their lives better, you know, how it's going to make doing business easier. And in terms of cryptocurrency, that might be using it as a payment rail, which you know significantly cuts down on their costs of doing transfers or taking remittances and things like that. They don't want to have to deal with this idea that it's going to blow up everything that they believe in. Nobody has, <laughs> nobody right now has time to think about that, right? Exactly. And that's such a common crypto narrative as well as the democratizing aspect of it. And yes, although that's definitely a part of it, and that's part of the method behind it, but that doesn't necessarily present the best case scenario to someone who's just living their life and <laughs> wants the best value for the things that they're doing, right? Yeah. What it is, is it's, it's an incredible transition. Bitcoin's been around for, what, 11 years now? It's ahead of its time. And a lot of these projects that haven't worked out have told us a lot about what does and doesn't work. And I think there's going to be more of that going forward. So it's, I think it's really exciting. But yeah, that narrative, I think it has to change. They talk about wanting to make banking more inclusive and all this, that, that's fantastic. But it would also help if they started using language that was more inclusive as well. And that segues really nice to my final question for today, which is why do you believe that cryptocurrency is the foundation of the future? You mentioned that specifically at the end of your article, and I'd love for you to elaborate. I had a great conversation with a guy named James Wallace, who is the founder of a company called Exponential. And he talked about the transition from physical assets assets to electronic to digital assets. And the reason why it's the foundation of the future is because the digitization of assets creates 
tremendous opportunities, not just in cost savings, but in terms of transferability. It has the opportunity to reshape a lot of the way that we view the world. If you want to be listed on a whole bunch of different stock exchanges, that's great. But what if you could have an asset that's digitized and portable to a whole bunch of different environments? You know, what if you can fast with, you know, a variety of payment rails based on cryptocurrency? What if you can do things faster, cheaper, and easier? And I don't think there's anybody that, that would argue with that as a possibility. But it's, again, it's how do we get the cover on top of the car so that a lot of these detailed things become less relevant and the actual functionality of it comes to the forefront and becomes the most important element of it. I feel inspired listening to that and I'm excited for the future as well. I think you're bang on faster, cheaper, easier. Who doesn't want that, right? Right. Well, we'll see. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the Bitbo podcast. I'm Steph. And I'm Tris signing off. If you like this episode, make sure to give us five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Be sure to check out our full blog post on Bitfo's Learning Center under the Education banner, which is linked in the show notes.